the comic book pit. Okay. Welcome to the Comic Book Pit Podcast. This is episode 364. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, we've got Scott. What's up, people? And Jared. Hello! So we uh, we here at the Comic Book Pit, every week we read comics and talk about various topics of discussion, usually but not always comic-related. And here's a spoiler warning. Uh, this is a review show, so... You know, we take care not to spoil too much or give too much away, but sometimes when we talk about thing books, things happen, so that's your spoiler warning. I think there's a moratorium on spoiler warnings. And I think twenty eight years <laughs> Oh yeah. Is is enough time. I think the statute of limitations is up on twenty seven, twenty eight years. I would yeah, yeah. I would highly agree with that. If you haven't read it by yeah, in almost 30 years, then, yeah. So, gee, Jared, what, what's, what, whatever could be you, you, well, could you be referring to? <laughs> I just so happened to stumble across this little uh, series from this upstart company called Image. <laughs> These young bucks. <laughs> yeah. The guy that used to draw the Punishers um, made a book. No, we read the Wildcats. We went back, mm-hmm. back to the archives. And read the first four issues of Wildcats. Yeah. And it would. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick this off by just by giving my little how I remember that. Uh, I would have been like 12. Yeah, 12. Um, I had like all of the first round of image books. I don't remember where I bought them. I do remember that I had to track all four down. I didn't get them all like as they came out. I can distinctly remember buying. I don't know. It was two. I don't know. I. I guess it's not that distinct. My memory. Um, I can certainly remember seeing one like in a, like a glass case at a store, and it wasn't like too obscenely overpriced. And getting it, I don't know if I can't remember which issue it was. I don't even know if I got them in order. Like that's just how it worked. Oh wow! But uh, yeah, um, and then revisited them now, which that's funny. Like I remember going to all these great lengths to buy these books back then. Meanwhile, I could probably like insulate my house with them. Yeah. Like I could go to a new dimension sale. Well, it's like fill a wall. Well, yeah, that's what I did. (laughs) Well, if we're talking about, I guess uh, if if we're going to do our image origin stories real quick, um, I was really excited for, for image comics overall, because that's, you know, I was, reading almost all of those. I, I no, actually, I, I was reading all of the creators when they were doing their Marvel stuff. Um, Jim Lee was my, my favorite from all the creators. So, so Wildcats was the book I was looking forward to the most. Um, I missed getting young blood because I think so young blood, I think was the first book to come out from image. And I believe 
it came out as I was preparing to go to college. So for my, for my freshman year. So I, you know, there were a few weeks where I just, or a month or even maybe longer that I just didn't get to a comic book store. So I missed young blood. And I think I was, I, so I think actually the first image book I ever got was either spawn number one or wildcats number one. And, and I, I read my buddies. I, I visited my buddy at his college and he had young blood number one. So, you know, still, you know, we're like, you know, college freshmen, we're, you know, still dorking it out, like, you know, reading comics in, the, in our, in our rooms. Um, I'm reading his, you know, sitting in his dorm room, reading young blood number one. Um, but yeah, but, uh, the, uh, wildcats was definitely my, my favorite of those original books and probably the one, let's see what else. So there was wildcats, young blood, spawn, savage dragon, um, shadow Hawk. Oh, yeah. I mean, those first four were the ones that mattered to me, but yeah, shadow Hawk. Well, um, uh, what was the Silvestri one? Oh, Cyber Force. Cyber Force. That was yeah. That was that was. Pretty I wanted good to say Force Works. <laughs> Wet Works. Wet Works. Yeah, that was the yeah Will's Portasio. That, that was like the Pluto of of the books though, because it wasn't really in the first wave. Right. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be, but yeah, it, it it was heavily delayed because I believe at the time Will's Portasio suffered like a death in his family. Yes. It was like his sister. It's, it's in the text pieces. in yes. one of the wildcats issues. His oh. sister died of lupus. So all these years we were shitting on this poor guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, yo, dude, my sister died. Like back off. Yeah. It's just a comic about golden right. mercs. Right. More important things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, image, you know, I mean, I, I think by now everyone, you know, wh- whether you were there when it happened or, whether you came along later, I think everybody by now knows the story of image comics and how they, you know, they were the rock stars of the comic book industry and, and shook everything up. (laughs) Not Uh, a deadline. They haven't met. (laughs) I I laugh because just, yeah, that's what we were taught. We're, We're like, we better get this show off the ground because one of the things that Jim Lee wrote in the notes was he's like, sorry, issue two is late. And I was like, "Wow, they wasted no time being laid on books." Yeah, <laughs> that's just it. Like that's like the like yeah, we know like lateness is a thing with us. I'm late too. My bad. And then it's like I had a kid, and it's like oh, yeah. and then I'm doing the math. Like oh, your kid's 28 now. Yeah, I was, mm. I was like Jesus, Jesus, that's a. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's my my uh, uh, image Wildcats hero backstory is uh, I was. Finishing college, I think I was just, you know, AIP, you know, Art Institute, and I actually picked it up at, I believe I picked it up at Bill and Walt's Hobby Shop in downtown Pittsburgh. Mm. Oh my! Because that was my shop. It was, you know, I lived downtown, and I, that's the only place I could walk to really close. Um, right there too. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was right up the street from where I was living too. So, um, which was critical (laughs) but but the the counterbalance was that i didn't have much money so then i had to pick which books i would read and i actually think that i my focus was to get spawned 
I think that was my number one out of all the image books. And then when Sam Keith hit with the Max, that all bets were off. That was my book. Um, but uh, Wildcats, I still had to check out because you know I have I was reading Jim Lee's run on X Men and stuff like that, and I was like, yeah, I definitely got to check out what he does with Wildcats. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, here we are. <laughs> I feel Spawn may have been my like go to. I don't know. I I really don't remember. I don't even remember where I was getting them at. But I I think Spawn was probably the standout to me just because of McFarlane. And Young Blood, I remember reading it and being like, oh, this is derivative. And like that, that was like my like like the first time I like I I guess I I don't want I mean to be dismissive here, but it's like I developed taste. <laughs> I can see I can remember reading this like oh this is just like a rip off of what he was doing with Marvel but it's not the Marvel character. Well, yeah, I mean and I see what a writer and an editor do now. <laughs> yeah, well that, you know, that that was the thing. I mean, that was all it was all sizzle and no steak for a lot of these for for all the first wave of image books. Um so I Jared, I don't know if do, do, do you have your books in front of you? I do not, but that's okay. I can get them. No, that's okay. I was I'm just probably out to. I I um I I grabbed mine the, the actual physical copies because I I was saying pre-show that I I read if if you're a subscriber to DC Universe then you actually have access to all the Wildstorm books because you know uh, famously Jim Lee sold his company to DC Comics so et cetera et cetera um, I'm looking at the cover prices and they they uh, alternate. Every issue, the issue one was a dollar ninety five. Issue two was two fifty. Issue three, cover. Was, yeah. Uh, issue two was two fifty. Issue three went back to one ninety five, mm-hmm. and then issue four went back up to two fifty. I would, if I had to guess, I'd say that cover is why you see the spike in number two. Yeah, and then by the time four comes out, like it's pretty much well into nineteen ninety three, and they may have just had the Goose yeah. their prices, anyways. Yeah. The test would be what's the cover price on number five? Then we could really descend, discern. Uh, you know what? what this, uh, you keep talking. Kind I, of, I can look that up. All right. I, I have those. I'm looking too. <laughs> you, you put me on the spot and I just claimed right up. 195. 195? Yeah. So I fell back down. So there's just no rhyme or oh, reason yeah. to how they price these things. I don't think there's anything extra to four. I think it was a normal size comic. But yeah, that, I, I was thinking about that too as I was reading it, like how they were uh, merged into the DC universe and how it just did not fit. Like, remember in New Fifty Two and like Hellspawn was like the like Superman versus Hellspawn. Oh like, yeah, it don't work. Well, and and and, and Voodoo—they actually just gave Voodoo her own book. So I thought. I thought I remembered her having. And that was a great book, though. What's that? That was a great book. That's yeah. one of my one I'm keeping for sure. I do remember. Yeah, I think we read that. That we talked about it on the show when the new 52 was a thing and I, yeah, I, I actually didn't mind it. Um, but it was just a, a very odd it choice. Brought it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just, just out of sh- uh, in case you're, you know, just to, uh, let everybody know. So the, the book was a dollar 95 up until issue seven. And then starting from issue eight on, it was two fifty. 
Um, I was going to add too the issue. Issue two was the one that's two fifty. Um, the one I'm looking at has like a chromium cover. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably what the markup was. Yeah. Right. If maybe you said that and I wasn't paying attention. I did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and the effect still holds up. I was sitting on the couch, like tilting it against the light. Yeah. And it still holds up. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I don't even know how we we ended up deciding. I, I think it was from a conversation from a couple episodes back. We decided to talk about these. You were looking at it, and I was like, I have it. I think, you know what, because, oh, I think you and I were talking about the uh, New Dimension quarter sale, which is where I picked up the first dozen or so issues. And I, I think we just said, like, oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. Um. So... I, yeah, I, I think overall, I mean, if I were to uh, give an overall impression of these first four issues, um, I, it, it's like a Fast and Furious movie. It's fun to look at. Yeah. It really is. They're, they're, I mean, Jim Lee, I mean, this is like Pete yeah. Jim Lee. This is like between like his short run on like the adjectiveless X-Men and then jumping from that to Wildcats. I think that's like those years, those two or three years, that's like peak Jim Lee. Um, I mean, these things are just, they're beautiful to look at. Uh, Story-wise, I don't think he or Brandon Choi could write themselves out of a paper bag. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It is gorgeous to look at, but this, the writing is amateur hour. And, and and I say that as someone who who has done bad writing, <laughs> and so when I see it, I'm like, oh, I've written this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, not only that, but I, I think I, again, we we need to you know reiterate that you know we're we're saying this I, at least for me. I I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'm you know I'm 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 going to bag on these four issues, but it's all out of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean still have them. Like, yeah. I thought one and two were dense as hell to read yeah. and it took me a while to get through and three and four were a breeze. And I get, I think it's because three and four were meant to be just one giant size issue. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a big old action piece. It's the third act action set piece, you know, in the, those last two issues, but yeah, it's when your first issue is, is pure exposition mm-hmm. and it's not even really, it's a bunch of characters just thrown out there, but it's not really like strong yeah. exposition. Yeah. They don't introduce the team per se. They're just like, Hey, there's another one. Yeah. yeah. I would say con- con- conservatively we're introduced to like 15 characters probably in the first issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, not there. I, maybe the only one that we get a little bit of depth on, and that's even, I, I'm using that word generously might be, um, Jacob Marlowe, yeah, a Emp, Lord Emp, whatever you want to call him, which yeah. which I just I decided he he's basically Jack Kirby, like I I think oh yeah hundred percent hundred percent he was drawn to be like Jack Kirby. Also, he's not really drawn like a little person. He's just drawn like oh. he's just it's like he just like Jim Lee just drew a guy and shrunk him down. 
Yeah. He didn't even shrink him down. There's one panel where he's drawn and it's like full size torso mm-hmm. with just teeny leg. Like the legs are just like cut off above the knee. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, so it's like knee down, torso. And it's like, yeah. It's and, you know, like, again, <laughs> at, like at the time, you know, 18 year old me, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. This is a little person or a dwarf, whatever. <laughs> now it's like, oh, if, if you've ever seen like, you know, Peter Dinklage and these days who hasn't because Game of Thrones, I'm like, right. oh, that's what a little person looks like. That's what yeah. a dwar- like someone with dwarfism. Now, is he supposed like, to be that or is he just supposed to be a short man? They never say, I don't think. Is he like a Danny DeVito type oh, or is like, he? Don't they, do they imply that he's actually a gnome in this? No. Or am I getting... Oh, there's another character. There's a guy oh, called no. Gnome, which I actually there's made an a... issue for. There's a whole like third team of villains <laughs> that just pop up out of yeah. nowhere. Well, I, did, I made I was a note. Like, about on that page. <laughs> I, I, that's, I, I took a bunch of notes for just the first issue, just for fun. Okay. And I said, it's confusing to have a character called a gnome and then also have a dwarf character. Right. Cause I literally was like reading up and down again. Like, wait, who's calling who what? Well, yeah, I thought they were just calling him the gnome in like a derogatory way. Yeah. Um, I liked how that, that little gang at the end, there's like the big, like clay face looking character whose name is slag. There's like, and then there's the, the one guy and there's like this purple prose, like introduced him, like a former convict named Attica. <laughs> right. Like, oh my God. It's just so cheesy. Like when you're 12 or 18 or 22, as the case may be, it, it's just, it's pop. Like you said, it, it's a fast and the furious movie. Oh, I was, just, I was eating this up like, like a chocolate sundae. You didn't buy it, you didn't buy it for the story. You bought it for the two page spreads. Right. I mean, yeah. That was- Look, I bought the, like, I, 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 I could tell you immediately from the first issue, Grifter was my favorite character because he was basically Gambit, who was also at the time, my favorite character, my favorite X-Man. Yeah. So Aster, spiky hair, check and check. Yeah. I feel like Wildcats was basically like a remake of X-Men. Like yeah. they, um, <laughs> which is what cyber force was, which is what, Young blood was. Yeah. Young blood was. Yeah, they was all incredibly derivative. Yeah. But even like this was just one of these dumb I've had this dumb idea forever, but I was like, what if you took the original five X Men and and created characters that were literal translations of their of their names, you know, so the beast is a beast and Cyclops is a Cyclops, blah blah, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a Jesus, Marvel girl. That's what I was going to say. Jean Grey was picking up on my thought process, but I was like, what? What if her name's actually Grey Jean? And she's from the future, and she's some sort of, you know... Oh, like like one, like a Grey alien or something. Yeah, that can, tra- you know, in trans, you know, go through time and space. And then I started reading this, and I'm like, that's pretty much what he did. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's pretty much X-Men. Mm-hmm. And he took, like, that's the Jean Grey character, and then you know, about void. Yeah. Void. And then, you know, in Xavier's, they're like, well, we'll just make Xavier a, a little person instead of a, yeah. So rip claw, rip claw. Was it rip claw? That's the Wolverine. Character. Uh, rip claw is the Wolverine character on cyber force, 
Warblade. Warblade is the Wolverine character on, uh, uh, on Wildcats. Forgive me. I'll see myself out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you got to get your, your your Wolverine ripoffs correct. Yeah, and then <laughs> and there's and, Troll, and then and then and then Cougar was the Wolverine ripoff on Youngblood. Oh yeah. Or uh, Team Youngblood. I forget which which there was like seven different Youngblood teams or something. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, uh, speaking of, so speaking of Warblade, I couldn't decide. Um, is okay. First of all, his costume is kind of. I think again, going back like twenty plus years, I probably thought it was cool at the time. Oh yeah, twelve year old Jared thought he was fucking badass. Now I, I remember that vividly. Now all I want to know is two things: what are those? What are those tubes all over his costume? <laughs> and that that green ponytail that sticks out is that just for show, or does he have? a long flowing mane of green hair. Yeah. Oh, is, is it a Batwoman thing where it's just part of the helmet? That's what I'm guessing, but it's like got super long hair. Well, I mean, that's the, the trend with the angel. Well, that was the yeah. whole, yeah. Like the whole, like, you know, ponytail, long hair, ponytails, mullets. I mean, that was the trend, you know, in but the nineties. But I mean, if you want, it, I guess, you know, that was, yeah, that was uh, Shatterstar. You know, that was that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if your analogies are going to go one to one. No, they don't really. Like, he's more of a mashup well, character. Let's yeah. just say, like. But you're right, though. It is the X Men. <laughs> like, or, yeah. like. Chopped up and condensed. You know, uh, characters that had, had impractical hairstyles for being in combat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all is all is the Hulk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and and I don't know if they ever explain this or if it's again. I think I think Jim Lee just liked to design things that had no purpose, as probably all those creators did. You like the t- you talking about the tusks that come yes. out of his shoulder blades? Yeah, those big yellow tusks that come out of his shoulder are, are like I mean, or are they coming out of his shoulders? Are they on his back? I don't think we ever actually they are see. Pro- yeah, I don't know. See him if I had back. to guess, he probably had a vision. And then one day I'll draw this like three-page spread of him like bent down and charging like a ram. <laughs> I will say, here's here's the one thing I like most about this was the first appearance of uh, John Lynch. I think his name is. Mm. Oh yes, from from Gen thirteen. From Gen thirteen, I was like, I love Gen thirteen. Which. So, which uh, John Lynch also brought us another '90s trope of the uh, the uh, aged, grizzled uh, secret agent with a scar across his eye. Very yeah, yeah. Like uh, yeah the '90s, good times. Good. Yeah, good times. Yeah, but it's um, like we're just <laughs> far enough removed from the '80s, but yet it's still <laughs> it's it's still, still a tinge of it's still there. Yeah, it's That's still its own I'm thing. Um, no, I, and I didn't, I mean, and uh, this is not a thing I would have noticed when I, fr- when I first read it, but re- reading it now, um, they borrowed, uh, they borrowed heavily from Frank Miller and at least in this first issue, a lot of, um, especially like grifters, uh, narration mm. as he's first introduced, it's very, um, it's just bad Frank Miller. Um, oh, and, and there's a, the, um, 
the page, the, the first time that we see um, Emp when he's laying uh, in the alley, like in the garbage. Girl. Yeah. What's that? The daredevil fetal position. Yeah, that's the that's that's from like straight out of Born Again. Yeah. <laughs> and you know he did that like as an homage. I mean. Right. I mean, he's a game homage, right? Hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think you know, that's a sign of the times too. I think a lot of the stuff that we see in this is just that's what was popular, and, and like you scratch your head at it now, you know. Mm-hmm. But like it was all about you know secret, covert, everything, and superhero teams trying to blend with it. You know, like these loud costumes that everybody's going to see, but they're on covert missions. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. What? Also, and that lasted a long time because I mean that was basically the ultimate. You know, it yeah. came full circle. Like they left it the big, did. you know, the big mainstream comic company to do this, and then ten year, fifteen years later, the big mainstream comic companies, probably what ten years later, are are well, what you know, it came around. Yeah, towards mm-hmm. two thousand. Yeah, yeah. And then it really wasn't that long ago. People were like, no, we like our comic book characters fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's only like maybe like the last five to well, eight years. Because everybody, you know, the Watchmen. We can talk about that stuff, but I mean, it's like Watchmen and stuff like and Dark Knight set a tone for everybody that was a fan of comics, and it's like they had to make it that way. You well, know, let's, like, put, it, let's uh, put it this way, Duke. More time. So there's only like six years removed from those books. So yeah. like, think mm-hmm. 2014 books now, like. We're talking about the new 52. Like, more time has passed between now and the new 52 than it passed between Wildcats 1 and Watchmen. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, oh, you know, yeah. those guys, you know, they, those books from the 80s, from the mid 80s, I mean, that's, that was their form, you know, what they read. That's what, that was their formative years. Right. So then they so, kind of regurgitated back out. Mm-hmm. And they were breaking in at that time, too. And then they became like the, the young guns. Of their age, yeah. The other thing, the other thing that's real heavy in in image books, that, especially in that era, is the whole angel and demon aspect. Oh like yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody took their own turn on it. You know what? How to like that's you know it's like here's our basic good and evil plates. You know. Yeah. So how do you pronounce that? Is it cherubim and daemonite, or is it just cherub and demon? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I kind of lean towards how how you just said them, like Caribum and Damonite. Yeah, is that how you yeah, say? Yeah, because yeah. forty year old Jared read it with forty year old eyes, like, oh, it's literally Cherub and Demon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But young young Jared's like, oh, what what is? How do you say this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need a Webster. No, that's not you know. Oh yeah, the well, that's the same Jared that caught it homage for years. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Homage Studios. Um, so you know the the, um, the the other thing that was introduced in the in you know these this first issue were the Coda assassins, the the female assassins, and yeah. I used to think like, oh, they must be really like special or unique, whatever. But then I you know I'm reading, I'm like, literally everyone has their own Coda assassin on this in this book. Like like oh, there's yeah. Zealot was with the Wildcats. Um, the gnome had his own Coda assassin and Hellspont and the cabal had 
their own Koto assassin. I'm like, do these people just work for everybody? <laughs> you got to send in UPC symbols and you get your own Koto assassin. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Like, yeah, it was just kind of funny. Now, was it Zealot uh, Carob, like half-breed or whatever? I don't know. I thought well, she was one of I think so. So yeah, I, I don't know. That's it's very confusing. Um, so I don't Code know. Is not like a people with a like a club. Yeah, I, I I always assumed that the coda was like yeah, like a like a like an order, like a league of, of assassins, love assassins of. And I I always I, I think they were almost like Amazonian, like like they were all females, but somehow Grifter got taken in by them because oh, you call him yeah brother grifter like, yeah she calls him brother grifter and he calls her sister zealot yeah uh, which i was like man those names are kind of on the nose too mm-hmm. zealot and grifter yeah this one thing i didn't notice until i i had read this um i read issue one twice um once just to take it in and a second time just to kind of like really look at it you know and uh i don't know what what hit us with some of your notes too so the um the page where we're first introduced to the cabal and hellspawn you know there's a bunch of people sitting around a table like having a meal like a bunch of villains you know and they all look like businessmen there's there's a guy who's sitting there he doesn't say a word but he's like he's wearing a monocle and an eye patch. I'm like, you got to just pick one, man. See, now I got to go get my books. I'm you get, you, you <laughs> get, if, if you're going to go with a villainous look, you just got to pick one of those things. You said this was number one. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is like um, almost midway through the book. Is this uh, the, the voodoo introduction scene? No, this is, it's, it's the cabal. It's, um, it's the cabal. It's before they meet Voodoo. It's it's the cabal. Yeah, uh, where we first meet Hellspawn and Pike, and there's this. And also, he's like practically bright yellow. Like, is he supposed to be Asian? And if so, awkward. <laughs> oh yeah, I never noticed that before. That is hilarious. <laughs> but I'm like, bro, you gotta, you know, yeah. Come on, Jim Lee. Either give him a monocle or give him an eye patch. Don't give him both. It was all about. You know, I, I don't know if it is uh, my parents' attic or how these are stored, but I felt like the colors have maintained a vibrancy nearly 30 years later. Mm-hmm. And no. I thought this was all glossy paper, but this is um, this Baxter paper. I, I think this is some, it was like, it was in between like the, the old newsprint and the new glossy. It was, yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's, yeah, it's, um, Oh, and Hey Jared, uh, do you have, um, uh, trading cards stapled into yours? I do. I have Spartan and voodoo. Uh, that's what I have. Maybe that's maybe that, maybe those yeah. came with every one. And there's one, these issues has like, I forget what it is. There's it's like in the middle of a two page spread. <laughs> there's an insert like stapled in. Oh, there, you know, I should have, like, there's Gnome foreshadowed in issue one where uh, Void's having her retelling the story of her dream. Who, okay, so it's kind of cool. So, really, she was murdered in the future and a piece of her came back in the past to change the events. 
now we don't really know we see you like oh i have a dream and then in issue four she's like oh so i guess that's what happened like it's not written well but it is a cool concept yeah i think there is a good story in these four issues somewhere <laughs> but um oh so and okay so maybe i've looked at this too long maybe i'm just looking too much at it but i almost feel like this um there's this one panel jared it's the um it's the page where the cards are stapled in yes it's okay. where grifter is first going into the the the, the strip club yes that looks like that looks like a roar like uh rorschach from watchmen from behind yeah Mm-hmm. It, I like. I wonder if if he drew that to be kind of like a oh here's a little like a wink and a nod mm-hmm. or something. Also, notice the length of his jacket when he goes into the bar, and then a couple page late couple pages later when the uh, attack happens, it's like full on duster. Whereas when he first <laughs> went, <laughs> maybe it's folded up. It's like a secret. It's a, he yeah. pulls down the uh, the gator, and then uh, <laughs> I mean he's he's essentially like on pearls. <laughs> yeah, he, he's essentially wearing like a waistcoat when he when he walks into the bar, and then he when he pulls his guns out, he's like I think it's flowing. Yeah, like that a, scene where he's got like two guns blazing against those guys in those suits, mm-hmm. and then it's the same reporter from Spawn. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That was, I didn't even notice that. That was a little crossover. You know, like we're all in this shared universe kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm looking through this and I'm still like, God damn, Jim Lee can draw some, some shit. You're right. Like it is. It's yeah. fun. Just like superhero action. comics. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, that's fine. That's what yeah. it can be that there's a, that's perfectly acceptable. I did. Um, I don't know if this, if this, um, if you notice this or if it had, you know, like I thought it was weird. Like the first couple of page, the first two pages, how it was laid out in these, like they, they're not even panels. They look like jagged pieces of oh, yeah. panel. Um, I didn't, I didn't really dig that. I thought it was kind of like, dude, oh. you know, like you're, you're, this is literally the first two pages of your first book, like rein it in a little bit. <laughs> Before you start getting uh, crazy yeah, with, it didn't with, strike with, me like with that. the page layouts. One thing is funny though, like in the uh, second issue, he talks about how like, oh, I had a kid. This book's late. I was like, so here's number two. Uh, heads up, it's like there's a lot of like statting and paste ups, and there's like mm-hmm. that, on page two that guy drinking that coffee. Like that thing is copied and pasted into the next. <laughs> yeah. No, but that that was also like a no editor thing. Like, because that was image of big deal was like, we put out books that aren't edited by editors because editors are evil. And then they, then they put out, you know, jagged panels because they were like, you know, we edit our own books and we can do whatever. <laughs> you, you know, they, would have been like, Hey, that coat's too long or too short, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I could, the decision to do these jagged panels is that these scenes take place in the past and then, the future. Yeah. So like, that's why you do it. That was, that was another thing. And and again, I, I guess I never read like, or really paid attention to the, to the, the dial, the, the, uh, the caption boxes, but it went from 1980 to 1992 
back to nineteen to nineteen ninety, and then back to nineteen ninety two. Yeah, which they call nineteen ninety the present, and then they go back to nineteen ninety two, which they had called the future, even though it's technically the present today. Like the pre- so, mm-hmm. it's like literally. Hold on, let's go here. Let's do it. It is the future, August 9th, nineteen ninety two. The present, New York, August eighth, nineteen ninety. Then one, two, three, four. I'm going to be generous. Say five pages later. Today, August eighth, nineteen ninety two. Well, I think they were. I think they were concerned about making everything timely and like literal because they, you know, like they they were like if it's moving at you know real life speed, then it would be two months later or whatever to for the book to come out. You know, like in some mm-hmm. ways they were trying to do that. And I think that's where Eric Larson got it, you know, in his head that he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to get old with me, you know, Savage Dragon. Um, yeah. But then I don't know if he, you know, Jim Lee, I don't think he really stuck with that. But it seemed like maybe initially they were trying to do like, we really got to establish that it's happening now in our real world, you know, like this stuff. And that's why they use spoilers they use dan quayle yeah yeah i was like what yeah, that's pretty boy i don't know if you could get away with that today yeah the vice president is uh possessed by that's like, how they soften the blows like he's not really a villain he's possessed against his will by an alien right yeah and when he took the when he took the shot you know like he dan, possessed dan quayle took the shot mm-hmm. I felt like they picked the wrong uh you know, political person to take a random shot. Um, what's his name back then? Um, nah, Bush's guy. Uh, the other guy. Um, Not Dan Quayle? No, it, the second Bush. Um, oh, oh, oh uh, Cheney. Because yeah, he shot that guy in the face with... The yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot. I thought of it. Like, reading it now, that's what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, yeah. yeah. Well, but I, I think... I... I I don't know. This is something like some. I, I know, like Terry Moore tries to do it, but he tries not to use anything that uh, dates. When you're reading the book, he doesn't want it to be dated in a way that you think that it's no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And I and that's kind of one of the hangups with this book. Is like you're like, yeah, it's '92. Like, oh my god, and it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much of its time. Yeah. yeah. So like, we're talking about how they just like toss the characters out there there's no context given like they start calling um sentinel like hadrian at one point in time and you just have to be like i guess that's his name like i this was never established oh you mean oh spartan spartan okay firmly they're established that well, <laughs> well no well you threw me because 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 there's a i think there's a character named sentinel on young blood so there probably is <laughs> So I was like, "Are you talking about Youngblood? Did did we switch?" No, no, but you're right. Yeah, like they 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 call him Hage, like yeah, they call him H- uh, Hadrian or Hadrian, and I'm like, "Oh, so that's his name?" Well, they kind of, I mean, the way they slammed Youngblood into Wildcats, it was like, if you're not reading Youngblood, then you're you know like you're like, what the hell is all this? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was kind of weird that. They had they basically had a company crossover to launch their books, like which is also another unheard of thing that they're like, no, we're not even going to build it up. 
Perhaps. Yeah, they, they could do that though, because I mean they had all that free press. Oh, they were rock stars. Yeah, they could do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, you knew who they were. Yeah. Like, well, they even did a um, one of those editors notes um, in the first issue where um, when Marlowe is uh, picking himself off the off the ground and he. He says, oh, what a dream, lightning faces, big goons, big guns. And then there's a asterisk, and it says, we know it's not a dream. See Cyber Force number one on sale soon. So, yeah, I, just, so, I, guess he, so I guess he must have like made a cameo appearance in Cyber Force number one. Yeah, editor references. They're like, we don't like editors, but we got editor references. Yeah, in the first issue, you're already making a crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Always be selling. Yeah. yeah. So. Can't find it. Um, the other funny thing I thought we were t- we were talking about, you know, like actually showing the team together as, you know, like hey, this is the Wildcats, you know, like bam. But they they show them bust in, they show them fight, they show them teleport out when the explosion goes off, but they never actually have like an official like it's the Wildcats. No, so, like, they just get like called that. So you don't yeah. get. Um, okay, sorry. Um, but yeah, you, so you don't get the uh, that that push. But then in one of the issues, and I was trying to find it, but there's a reference when they say Wildcats. Yes, as covert action team. Yeah. Yeah. Wildcats are a rogue uh, band. <laughs> rogue. Yeah, and I'm like, what? <laughs> this is what they mean when they call them wild cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was it's... so much. I mean, so yeah. I mean, we we could we could really go on probably for another hour, but it was. I mean, but I I think the the bottom line is these books were were beautiful to look at, but they were definitely overwritten. And uh, once um, once the creators took a step back and let actual writers, you know, have access to their, their properties. I mean, I think we saw some of the best. Um, yeah. Like when, uh, when Joe Casey took over wildcats, it was really good. When, uh, when Alan. Hmm? Oh yeah. Yeah. Alan Moore. Yeah, when when Alan Moore took over, like when he did his run on Supreme, that was insanely good, like better than it had any right to be. I was going to say what they did with these, you know, like basically Jim Lee, you know, is like a he, to me, he's a lot more uh, creative, you know, like that's his personality type. He's not there's like that hair thing. I forget what they call it, but, but he's the creator. he's the idea guy. He's the idea guy. So he just threw it all, all out on paper. And then you bring in your other people, like your, your refiners and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And executors, I think is what they call them. But, um, but they came in and he had all that raw material sitting there that they could write tons of stuff from it, which I thought was, I mean, that in a way is good because he, he you know, he uh, dump trucked. Uh, uh, you know, a whole new universe. You know, he's like, here it is, boom, Wildcats, and the whole universe. And then, like, every book that launched from that too, like, um, 
you know, like we were saying, Gen 13 launched out of this, and then, um, mm-hmm. and then what was, the, uh, what was the other one where they were? Uh, it wasn't uh, Wild uh, Stormwatch. Stormwatch. Stormwatch was a great book. And yeah, I had. Um, well, that's uh, where another time where they were trying to um, really pay attention to the time, you know, mm-hmm. because they did like a two year. They remember they did like issue twenty four. Like right after issue four or something like that, it was some goofy. So oh, they did like they did like a big time jump or something. Yeah, but it was actually number twenty four or something like that. It was I forget what number it was. And then when they actually got caught up to it, they had to make sure the story lined up with it. Mm-hmm. Like it was like bold ideas, you know. Yeah. And like, I mean, I can give them credit for that, but yeah, like reading this stuff. It cringe. Sorry. But what came from it is what meant. I think is what's important. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, cause like, I mean, talk about Stormwatch when, um, like when Warren Ellis took over Stormwatch, um, and wrote it until the end. I mean, that was a great run and that is basically what opened up. The, I mean, he essentially created the authority cause that the authority, yeah, the authority too. came out of, like came from the ashes of Stormwatch, and that was all like Mark Miller. And, oh yeah, you know, and and Brian Hitch. I mean, yeah, Brian. Yeah. So like, I mean, you, you, if you think about it as like, you know, second and third generations of of what came out of you know the the first run of Image Comics, it's it really is staggering to think about. We wouldn't have had the MCU. If we didn't have Wildcats, <laughs> we might have lost. I don't know. That's DC. very possible. Because, I mean, so ultimately, this begets the ultimate as you just trace through the creative teams right. that mm-hmm. came through these ranks. They pretty much went to Marvel then and did Marvel's version of this, which you said the militarized spandex set. <laughs> and that was kind of the the influence used heavily when they started the Marvel movies. Yeah. So there you go. If you don't have Wildcats, you don't have Avengers Endgame. <laughs> and it was a bold, a bold move. Yeah, credit to them. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> blew my mind. I'm out. Credit to, to them too. They all, they all stepped out of the big, you know, the comfort of the big corporate monsters of Marvel. Oh, real mostly Marvel. Then they Marvel. stepped back into the warm embrace. <laughs> yeah, and then they eventually got assimilated back in. You know, Jim, <laughs> Lee, Jim Lee was smart, man. He was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to piecemeal anymore, but you guys are going to bring my property with me, and I get to keep it, and I'll run your company." You know, like not selling out. I'm buying in. He yep. did, man. He killed it. He was, and I got to see him at uh, New York Comic Con like two years ago. And it was great hearing him talk about uh, reading reading that reading that panel about how he started. And he's like, I didn't know how to draw. Well, at the panel, he was actually talking about that. He would he'd set his alarm. He'd get up at a certain time. He would start drawing. He would draw till he had nothing left. You know, and he's like, I suck, I suck. But I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get up and draw the next day. You know, but he had. Oh yeah, he he, he treated it like a full time job. Yeah, meanwhile, he was just living at home, you know, like he was like young enough mm-hmm. to, to live off the parents and do that. But he also realized that 
he's like, I better do it now or I'm never going to get to do this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then he had the, the energy. And, you know, Todd McFarlane was the same way. Todd McFarlane, I remember seeing him in videos where he, he said he just kept, kept submitting to Marvel until they finally relented. Like, they were just like, my God, this, this kid won't stop sending this stuff. And he, they took notice because of the sheer output. And I may be up my own ass with this thought, but like McFarlane was like a pretty decent baseball player and baseball is a pretty humbling game. Mm-hmm. Like if you're successful 30% of the time, you're a legend in that game. Yeah. So I wonder if, if being, if, if being a ball player, like just honed that humility and tenacity. So that, or I don't know. Exactly. Maybe just, I'm firmly talking out of my ass with that. One. No, I think there's something to that. Yeah, and someone else you should check out is Frank Frazetta's early career because he actually was a ball player too. Um, Frank Frazetta was going to go pro, but he really wanted to pursue art, so he pursued art instead. And it was like, you know, but like basically they were like, he could have been successful in either field. It's just he chose to be a, you know, to be an artist. Mm. Like wow, but I mean that guy's you know mm-hmm. clearly to be you know to 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 participate in any team sport you know uh, and be a success you have to have a certain work ethic and you have to kind of buy into what the coaches are selling and and usually what they're selling is you know work hard bust your ass and you know equals success equals victory so yeah I think there's really something to that like that. If they were both, you know, athletes, you know, they, they probably had their fair share of of um, days, nights, weekends, afternoons of hard, just grueling hard work. So if, if they were able to translate that into, you know, pencil and paper, you know, it's it's pretty clear then why they're successful. Yeah. Well, Frank, yeah. Frank was that it was a gift. Like he, he, that guy had a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have to reference anything. He just he just drew it out of his head. But and I think Jim Lee, you know, like those guys, like Jim Lee. I don't know if he hammered it into his brain so much that it's just that it's always there now. But like, if you ever get to watch people like that draw, it's just insane how they don't. The the thought is already on the paper. They're just you know, it's just an outline to them. They're just like done. Mm-hmm. It's already done. And it's like, you didn't sketch that. You know, it's like, no, nah, yeah. really need to. You know? It's amazing. Yeah. Did you see the video? This is an option. This is just a random thought. But did you see Jim Lee, the video of him trying to sneak sketches? This was from a couple years ago at San Diego Comic-Con. He was running up behind people with backpacks and he was trying to shove drawings into them. Oh, I, I heard about that. It's so funny because he's trying to do it without them catching him. So they'd just go home and they'd be like, I got a Jim Lee drawing. (laughs) (laughs) Or someone, someone who probably didn't really realize it'd be like, uh, where someone, some Jim Lee ripoff shoved this into my bag. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Throw it away. (laughs) And honestly, Jim Lee was such a heavy influence back then that everybody drew like him. Mm -hmm. And it was, honestly kind of a problem because a lot of people just they just ate them instead of drawing i always felt like you gotta have your own style um but so many people just ate jim lee yep. 
Oh yeah, a lot of kids drawing a lot of hash marks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of scratchy face. You know, a lot of- <laughs> just off the top of my head, I mean, um, Travis Sheray, Brett Booth, Scott Clark, um, Brand- Brandon Peterson, um, Jay Scott. Yeah, Jay Scott, yeah, Scott Campbell. He got the job for that because he looked like Jim Lee. Yeah. So I mean, they they all influenced such a, you know again like the next generation or the next wave. Yeah. Of so what's creators cool with a lot of those ones you're just saying is that they actually did break out into their own style, which I thought was cool. Because mm-hmm. one of the things, like when you're when you're trying to hit deadlines, you, you can't, you don't have time to emulate. You, you just draw, you know, mm-hmm. whatever comes out of you, and that's your style, which I I think is kind of cool. So. Well, and look at look at a guy like uh, another Jim Lee clone, like Tony Daniel. I mean, he was. Oh yeah. He, he, I think he cut his teeth on some indie books, um, and now and and for the past how many years he's been like a regular or like a kind of on again off again Batman penciler. Oh yeah. I mean he's been working for DC for a number of years and he's primarily been in the Bat books. So I mean, you know, yeah, it'll it'll get you somewhere if you're good enough, I guess, to to ape someone else, but. You gotta, you gotta distinguish yourself. You gotta stand out. Yeah, that's what everybody said. Like Rob, when Rob Liefeld hit, they were all like, "He's the next Todd McFarlane." And it's like, well, he doesn't really look like Todd to me, but everybody said he did, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, I do." You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, Greg Capullo was uh, Todd's guy. You know. Oh right. He looks like Todd. You know, like well, his art. Even now, still looks like Todd's, but it, it has its own distinct style. I think I think Greg Capullo, like when he first came on the scene, when he was, because remember he he took over for he took over on X Force, and I feel like he looked more like Jim Lee than he did oh, either okay. Liefeld or McFarlane. But then when he started doing, but then he went to Spawn, and I think he changed his style to match. Yeah. So I I think he's he's one of those guys. He's He's talented great, enough. Yeah, he can he can evolve his style for what it needs to be. Great addition to the Batman books as well. Like yeah. when he took over, it was amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I say to uh, tie it. Uh, my final note on uh, this this Wildcats is that Grifter is joining the cast of Batman. <laughs> In issue 101. Oh, and I it did. still looks awkward as hell to see these <laughs> characters together. Oh yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, I heard that that Grifter was making a comeback to the to the DC universe. He's one of the few that they didn't they didn't really just write off. Like he's still kind of out there. So yeah, yeah, but they don't really. They don't. They, but they just <laughs> they don't, don't know. They 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 don't know what to do with any Wildstorm characters. I mean, I, I give them credit for trying, but it's. It's just it's like a, putting a you know a, a round peg into a square hole. I mean, it's you already have a peg in the hole, and the the mm-hmm. new peg is derivative of your existing peg. So yeah, like why do you need? I don't know. I was gonna say Supreme, but that's Rob Life. But at any rate, like why these characters are kind of based right. off what you already have. So right. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I always think back to Malibu. Remember how Marvel bought Malibu and they were like, mm-hmm. Mar- 
the Malibu universe is folded into Malibu (laughs) Marvel. And then like that series ended and then Malibu just went away. Like they never never had those characters anywhere. They were just like gone. Yeah, they I liked I liked all those Malibu characters. They they did a couple of weird like one shot crossovers, but I mean I, I think everyone knows that they Marvel just bought Malibu for their their coloring technology. Yeah. Oh, was, I didn't. Is that, yeah. is that what it was? That's, about? that's what it was. They Malibu was, was ahead of the game on digital coloring. Marvel wanted it. So they, the, the easiest thing for them to do was to buy the entire company under the, under the um, guise of, Oh, we're going to, you know, we're eventually going to fold, you know, Malibu into Marvel, like the characters. And they did do, like I said, they, they had like a silver surfer and like rune crossover and like, like there was like a, like a, some weird like event or mini series called like the God wheel. And I think Thor was part of it. And it was just, yeah, it was just ill fated. Uh, It's clunky. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I do have a bunch of issues of prime because my man, Norm brave, brave. Oh, I love prime. Yeah. I loved prime. That was really good. They are dated as all get out. Yeah. Well, once again, I think that was like a government, secret government agency running some kind of superhero program. No. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but then, you know, Marvel got what they wanted. And I guess whoever was on the receiving end from Malibu, you know, I guess they got what they wanted. They, they must have made some money off of that deal. And that was it. And we never saw those characters again. I guess maybe Marvel said like, well, these are all technically ours now. We're not going to do anything with them, but they, we own them. You know, it's, it's funny, Duke. You talk about the influence of that trope. Um, I'm guilty of it. My Incrediman strips. It's the <laughs> that little short little general guy. Oh, Incrediman's like serving clandestinely with a shadow government organization. Backing <laughs> a superhero. But it's, so I'm a hack, too. <laughs> well, you know, Jerry, I, I, Jared, I think you're in, I, you're in good company because uh, Kirkman did that with Invincible for a while. Yeah. Kirkman totally did it because he. I uh, I purposely avoided reading that book until after I had finished plotting my first issue of Incrediman, just because I was like, "Uh oh, a superhero with an I in his name." <laughs> I got to be careful. Got to avoid. Don't want to be influenced. <laughs> And then once I got that first one out of the way, I ate those trades up like they were Honestly, cookies. Honestly, it's tough to come up with an original idea anymore anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. even, kind of, even while I work on my, my book, Kaiju Kitty, I, I'm just like, this just spawned. Like, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I try to make it different, but a lot of times I'm like, yeah, it's spawned. <laughs> for me, writing those things, a lot of the fun was taking the tropes and then and, and, like, just putting a spin on them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I may have told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again anyways, because it's funny. Um, so, you know, back when, with the, the whole image explosion, like, and, and you know, everyone was excited to try and make their own comics. And me and my friends were no different. Like I was the artist and, but all three of us kind of came up with the ideas and we had this great idea for this character. And I started doing character sketches and laying books out and we're like, Oh, we should go talk to, at the time we went to uh time tunnel comics, which was run by, by Pat Donnelly. And um, Pat used to uh, publish mini comics for a couple of guys. So we thought, Oh, let's go talk to Pat. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll publish our mini comic. 
So we go down there. I've got my whole folder full of sketches and we're just, we're just jacked up. We are so excited to talk to Pat about this guy. So we go, the three of us get there and we're, we're talking Pat's behind the counter where they we're going on for like half an hour about this character. I'm showing him sketches and blah, blah, blah. And Pat's just nodding his head. And finally, like, we're like, so what do you think? And he's like, okay. So it's like spawn. And we're, we all just stopped. We're like, Oh shit. It is like spawn. <laughs> like we just didn't see it. Like we were so wrapped up in, in what we thought was a great story and great character. We're like, Oh, this is completely derivative. We had no idea because we were 17, 18 years old and we were stupid. Yeah. It's like, sometimes though, like I, I kind of get into that, bump, you know, with the, uh, Kaiju Kitty, because there's a new book out called um, Inkwell, and it's basically this girl spills ink, and it somehow magically influences and creates a cat, a black cat with green eyes. And I'm like, yeah. the shifts and does stuff, and I'm like, ah. And I'm Great like, think alike, Scott. But I'm like, you know what though? Like my, I know my idea is not original. I know there's there's hundreds of cat comics. You know, there's hundreds of cat things because everybody loves making, you know, stuff out of their pets. So, like, you, you have to accept it to some degree, too, and just be like, well, hopefully I have a unique voice somewhere in the mix of voices, you know, that are all saying, like, my pet's so funny and cool. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, you know, everyone, you know, everyone just has to accept and admit that there's just nothing new under the sun and that's okay. Right. But you're still there, you know, you still look at it and you're like, you know, did I entertain, you know, entertain mm-hmm. the audience, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, okay, it's fine. So, because, Hey, we're talking about 30 year old comic books and, um, you know, there's people out there that haven't heard of it. So that's true. Yeah. There's millions of them. <laughs> no. There's literally millions of these Hellcat or Wildcat books. <laughs> Hellcat, Wildcats, Dog and Cat. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, we you guys want to start wrapping things up. We've been at it, but for about an hour or so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think we've we, we came, we saw, we. <laughs> We went back in time. We read Wildcats. <laughs> we came, we saw, we were conquered by Wildcats. Um, but we would be remiss if we did not uh, announce um, some exciting news. Uh, first, uh, Comic Book Pit has a uh, Patreon account now, and you can support the Comic Book Pit in one of many different ways. Um so check out patreon.com slash comic book pit. And we actually have our first uh, sponsor for this show. That's right, Dan. We do. This week's episode of the comic book pit is brought to you and me and Scott by Thriftburg. Need a gift that's more interesting than a gift card? Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online stop for all things vintage and nostalgic. From the 1950s to the 1990s, they have everything from retro kitchen, dining, and barware 
to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Check out their hundreds of unique vintage items at thriftburg.com. Awesome. Yes, thank you to Thriftburg for being our first uh, business sponsor. Thriftburg, you made this boy's dream come true. For (laughs) eight years, I've been dying to do live reads on this program, and it finally (laughs) happened. That's right. That's right. That that was that was that was Jared's make a wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Died again, seven times over, but I made it. <laughs> but um, yeah. So there's so um, you can also support the show by going to Patreon.com/slash/ComicBookPit. You can uh, get some Comic Book Pit merch at our merchandise shop, which uh, the link will be in the show notes. Um, if you are just interested in making a one-time donation, you can uh, do that via our Kofi account. The link for that is also will also be in the show notes. So, uh, and if you don't want to spend any money, that's totally cool. You can uh, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and we would uh, like that as well. Now, Dan, if I'm telling tales out of school, yes, sir. Edit this out, but with the Patreon account. You're not just getting nothing for something. You're not just forking over a dollar a month oh, right. to listen to the free podcast. That is true. Those same hackneyed comics Scott and I were just talking about. <laughs> you're gonna get them. Yeah, you'll see them. Yeah, your your entry level uh, contribution. You're gonna get the Incredium Funnies. Eventually, you get the Kaiju Kitties or something else Scott wants to do. And you're getting the uh, the Sean Atkins strips whatever they may be probably the hard lemonades. Mm-hmm. Oh the yeah. Strips we were doing on the old seven by seven thing. They're coming to home to the comic book pit. That's right. Patreon. We're going to have, yeah, we're going to have uh, weekly web comics. We're going to have um, other incentives. You can, you know, depending on the level you can, um, you can be a sponsor. You can send in um, a topic or uh, for us to discuss or a comic for us to review. You can, um, the highest level, you can be a guest on the show and also get all the rewards that come before that. So um, definitely check out the different patron, le- uh, patron tiers. There's a, uh, I feel like there's something for everybody. Um, oh, also the, uh, the, uh, the links, uh, Kate and link are going to have their own. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a a Patreon, a Patreon exclusive anime review and discussion show. Oh, nice. And, so. and to add, not only are we bringing our comics, we're, we're bringing a, a comics podcast, a podcast about our comics. Yep. Exclusive as well. Are we still using that name? I don't want to say the name if it's not the name. Oh yeah. That's the name. The sequential underground. It's coming back mm-hmm. as a uh, patron exclusive podcast. You can listen to me, Sean, and Scott talk about the comics that you read every week. Tell them the tagline, Jared. Scott, yeah. we talk comics, we make comics. That's right. <laughs> this That's is a long right. time brewing, and it's, it's finally percolating. It's all, it's all starting to quagulate? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like my coffee analogy. It's all yeah, starting. To, it's all starting to come together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's going to be there 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 are a lot of different uh, 
incentives and rewards and goals that we're working towards and, and that we have available for you. So, um, and once again, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a tier for everybody. So, uh, if you want to help out a little bit, if you want to help out a lot, it's up to you. And, um, like I said, it, how, however you uh, want to support the show, we are, uh, d- deeply indebted. So, um, anyone have any, uh, final thoughts or mentions or anything? I, I, th- I think we've covered it all. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of comic book pit. This has been episode 364. I'm Dan. And with me, we've got Scott and Jared. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.